My guys, what's going on? Hi, everybody, how y'all doing? Um, thanks for listening. Uh, if you haven't heard the previous podcast, go back and listen to that. It was about the Saints review and kind of uh, all tied into why we're winning now, why we're looking as good, why we'll look good against the Bucks. Because um, I want too much focus on them. Uh, but I will iterate, reiterate that uh, we do have a chance to make it to the playoffs, as crazy as that sounds. It's not in our hands. People have to lose. Uh, but there is a way. The first step is us winning out, beating everybody. Um, which is probable. Um, our biggest ta- challenge coming up is San Francisco playing Cal Shanahan's offense. But I also have a theory that uh, when you play against a coach two years, uh, practice, um, you know his moves, you know you know his plays. So I think we'll fare a little bit better than uh, all the other teams for that simple fact. Um, very quick, because today's episode isn't all about the Falcons, so I'm going to review the Panthers game real quick. And then move on. A um, couple of things from the Panthers game. Uh, yeah, like we're that. Like four interceptions, five more sacks or three sacks, whatever the case was. Uh, it was a great day. Um, defensively, we're starting to come into who we were supposed to be. I think a lot of guys are, are uh, auditioning for next year, keeping their jobs. Um, Demonte Casey and Ricardo Allen are amazing. Ricardo Allen uh, is not a spectacular athlete, but he's never out of place. He's never uh, takes a wrong step. He's always where he needs to be, um, which is cool. Uh, uh, if there was a guy I was going to move on from first on the defense, it would be Ricardo, just like I said, because he's not spectacular. But at the same time, he does not mess up and does not deserve to get his job taken. Uh, so I could see the battle that you had early on in the season with giving uh, – DeMonte Casey more reps and Keanu Neal not. Um, so I, I see the battle that they had trying to fit him in there somewhere. Um, number 20, Kendall Sheffield, really fast. Uh, he's a corner. Um, I'm impressed with him. Uh, I'm just impressed with him. He's a rookie, so I think he'll be a long-term solution to our cornerbacks. Uh, True Font, I know I said trade him, um, but he got caught a pick, made a, a good save tackle. Um I think we got we got six more, five more games left, something like that. And I think uh, he has to evaluate Oliver and Sheffield on a major level um, that he didn't last year. Because I, I, early on in the season, he thought uh, Oliver would be ready, and he did not make that jump. Um, he's starting to make the jump now, but he has to uh, he has to really evaluate um, what he's going to do there in that room. Because uh, if say Kendall Sheffield these next weeks uh, is looking very, very good then maybe I would be more inclined to get rid of Trufant. If um, Oliver progresses back and looks bad, then I'm going to keep Trufant. And obviously we would keep Oliver and Kendall Sheffield because they're uh, still in their rookie contracts. So um, you don't want to be in a situation where you move on like last year from a Brian Poole and a Robert Alfred and then realize, hey, it's going to take us a little while to mesh together. Um, offense looks amazing. I just want to point out Matt Ryan threw one of the best deep balls I've seen this year right on the money to Julio. I can't make this up. This guy's a baller. Like, he passed 10th all-time passing yards, 10th all-time, and he's still playing 10th all-time. So if the league blew up right now, he would be top 10 all-time. Do you hear what I'm saying? Top 10 all-time. Put respect on him. Please, he is not a Dak Prescott. He's not a 
Case Keenum, Andy Dalton. He ain't on that level. He's elite. He's up there with Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, as far as throwing the ball and being a quarterback. Nobody does it like him as far as working the pocket, staying in the pocket, delivering passes, knowing somebody's going to hit you. Uh, he's pretty good. And you can say what you want about him, but hey, dude. And I hate when people say he's a stat patter. He's a stat guy. Stats, I don't know if you knew this, are recorded by something you do in the game. I keep like, you. Can, you can, I don't understand when people say, now the only thing that I'm against is the stats in a stat, in a stat. So when you see the QBR, okay, that's stats and stats and stats. But, uh, like, you know what I'm saying, don't do no math with stats. Just look at it. If he goes 17 for 23, 300-some yards, three touchdowns, no that's, that's what the stat. that's the stats that I look at. I don't look at the QBRs and pro football focus stats and stuff like that. Um, just look at this stat and just know this is uh, elite quarterback. Um, a lot of the stuff that he went through wasn't his fault. But what people need to understand is throughout the bad lines, throughout the terrible running backs, he's been the constant keeping the Falcons at a certain level. Um, a lot of people think, oh, well, it might not be his fault, but it, it is. Uh, he's not helping. Uh, he is helping. He is uh, disaster control. Um, or Yeah, he's, he's that. He keeps this organization at a certain level of competitive every year. Um and he's great. So whether you like it or not, he's great. Um, who else? Uh, yeah, we got special team touchdown. Shout out to him. Um, what else happened? Uh, Julio is hurt. Didn't say anything. Um, so that's weird. I, he didn't pl- he didn't practice this week either. But I saw him get hurt, uh, and he stayed in. He's different. Julio is different. Um, one thing about Julio is I'm rough on him. If you ever had me give if you ever heard me give a review on Julio, uh it probably w- wouldn't be the review that you think you're going to get because I hold him to uh a high high standard. I hold him to the standard of play that I think he should be on. Um so that's I look at routes, I look at how he adjusts to the ball in the air, catching the ball, being physical with people. I look at everything. Uh, he's an amazing blocker which nobody, uh, he's probably one of the best blocking receivers uh, in ever. Um, but I, I hold him to one of the highest standards I've ever held a player. I really don't even hold Matt Ryan to this standard because the difference between quarterback is, quarterback is, is it's a general position, and I feel as though a quarterback shouldn't win you every game. You shouldn't go out and say, hey, I got this quarterback, let's throw, 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 which what we've been doing with Matt Ryan they don't even ask Drew Brees to do that. They don't ask Tom Brady to do that. They don't ask Aaron Rodgers to do that. If you really look at the numbers, they just ask Tom All of them quarterbacks are asked to win about six games out the season. The coaches find other ways to win games. And uh, those six games, they only put it on their shoulder probably once. And once one drive, it's like, okay, I need some magical out of you. Um, we've, we have come accustomed to a great quarterback. And that's what I want y'all to know that if you watch other games that go different than ours, our games, we really demand a lot out of our quarterback, a lot. Um, uh, and that's not how you win games. Um, even No matter how great he is, he just can't go out there and win you a game passing, and especially do it 16 times out of the year. That's pretty hard, so you got to find ways. But the 
wide receiver position is you're on your own. It's um, dominant every time. Bring me that same skill set. Because um, I don't really ask you to win me games. I just ask you to do your job. And if the ball comes to you, catch it. Um, so that's why I, I, I kind of grade them different. And I, I put a lot on Julio because uh, he's a freak of nature. He's fast. He's tall. He can jump out of this world. Um, you know what I mean? So that's why uh, I hold him to a different standard, basically. So um, moving on, uh, Ridley, Calvin Ridley, man. Whew. I don't know if I've ever said this on record. I don't. I don't know if I've said this on record. My friends heard me say this. Or a couple people have heard me say this. I know my parents have heard me say this. Calvin Ridley is special. Calvin Ridley is a great receiver. Calvin Ridley, to me, has certain attributes that are better. To the wide receiver position than Julio. And that is crazy to say because Julio is the prototype receiver. When you think of a receiver, you think 6'3, 6'4, tall, fast, long arms, jump out of the gym. Julio is the prototype, the poster child for the best receiver ever. But Ridley, um, Ridley's different. He's fast, his feet, if y'all watch his feet, on the line, in the routes, his feet are crazy. He doesn't waste a step. Um, he he gets in and out of his break pretty quick. Separation from the receiver. I actually want him and Matt to work on it a little bit better because some of those passes, if Matt gets out quicker, um, he, he can give Ridley something crazy to do because I don't think we've seen all of Ridley yet. He had eight targets, caught him eight times for 140 yards and one touchdown. I don't think we've seen all they really can do because they're not on the same uh, wave right now as far as Matt and uh, Ridley. So uh, when they get on the same page um, and he's getting the ball straight out of his breaks and he can use his feet to separate. Y'all seen his speed, how sometimes you've seen him move at a whole different speed than everybody else on the field. Um yeah, he's just different. He doesn't waste any steps. Great, strong hands. Uh, compete. The only thing different from him and Julio is I haven't seen Ridley make the spectacular catches yet. And because of his body, I really don't think he will make the spectacular catches. Jumping over people, mossing people, the sideline tiptoes, uh, the crazy ones. You know what I mean? He's not gonna be. He's not gonna do that because he's not a freak of nature like Julio. Julio is a freak of nature, but. As far as receiving, um, in and out the breaks, the feet, the routes, the hands, he's pretty good. So, um, yeah, um, that's the review. Uh, won't touch on the defense that much as far as what I did. Uh, just because we're playing Tampa next week. And like I said, if you go back and listen to my next, last podcast, I'll tell you the reason why we're winning. Um, I'll, I'll tell you the reason why you think, uh, where has this been? I think this has uh, been there. I think they've been playing this fast, this physical. But uh, like I, I tell people all the time, football's a game of matchups. So just because this team beat, beat this team don't mean or lost to this team don't mean you can beat this team or should lose to this team because it, I have certain matchups that I can exploit on the field. And early on in the season, um, the matchups that were being exploited were tough downhill running backs hitting the outside, um, getting outside leverage from um, because our DNs weren't holding it. Um, the Dalvin Cooks, the Max from the Colts, the, uh, you just control games, the Derrick Henrys and, t- and the Titans. You just, when you can run the ball like that, you just get to control the game. And, uh, 
it's just hard to just beat that when you have the personnel we do. So now you're playing teams that the defense was kind of built to play uh, for pass teams with fast pass rushers, uh, uh, jump ahead because you got a good offense, and now you get to fire off the fast DNs instead of them running the ball and keeping the, the DNs true. Um, so that's a little bit what's going on right now. Uh, this defense that we're seeing – uh, is like a piece away as far as a different pass rusher to handle the run um, from being one of the greatest defenses. I know it don't look like that. I know um, uh, Baltimore's going to give them a run for their money, but as far as speed on paper, this is one of the best defenses. Uh, so, um, yeah, moving on to a special topic today. I told you I wasn't going to talk. I really didn't want to talk that much about the Falcons, but um, coming up, the Bucks. Just know that Bucks is Sunday, but um if you if you pay attention to the media right now and I've already did one podcast on the subject but if you pay attention to the media right now it's a lot going on uh you got the Kaepernick situation obviously him taking a workout but then changing it um you got uh Stephen A Smith being ridiculed and called a coon which I think is really ridiculous um because of his stance on Colin Kaepernick and I don't think his stance is against Colin Kaepernick his stance is kind of saying a little bit of what my I'm, I've been saying is that Colin Kaepernick can't want the things that he says. Point blank, period. I know you're like, what? Nah, uh, you're lying, whatever. Colin Kaepernick cannot want want the things that he says he wants. Okay? Let me tell you this. Or let me break it down like this. Colin Kaepernick. First of all, I see you got this is this is real deep, and I don't want to offend people. Uh, I had spoke on my Snapchat and Instagram and asked a question about can you uh, know what it feels to be black in America if you're half white, and uh, I had a couple people reach out to me, cousins and uh, friends that uh, gave me insight. Um, some conversations are deeper than others, but I just want to start off by saying I don't mean to offend anybody, especially I love, especially the cousins that hit me up. I hope, I pray I did not offend you. I really do, because uh, sometimes I talk out my neck, um, and sometimes and it it, uh, it comes off as uh, rude and stuff like that, but I'm not necessarily trying to be like that. So if I, if I offended you, like I'm telling you, that was not my intention. I apologize greatly. Uh, you taught me a valuable lesson to kind of watch what I put out and word it uh, differently because I, if I did offend you, that, that greatly hurt me because these are people that I really love. So let me start off by saying that anything I say here is not geared towards anybody directly. I don't want to, uh, uh, I'm not trying to get anybody mad or start it up or offend anybody. So um, moving on. Okay, boom. So the question was, can you know what it feels to be black in America? Let's start there with the Colin Kaepernick situation. Because he grew up in Nevada, uh, he has a white mom, um, and I tried to look up pictures. Of, uh, there's pictures of his dad, but just not a lot. So he has a white mom, grew up in Nevada, where this isn't the South. This isn't where they teach civil rights. So I don't, I don't think Kaepernick's movement is that genuine. Uh, I believe he had, because he had a white girlfriend throughout college in his first part of the NFL, and then after that, I think. I think what happened was when he got benched 
and he didn't have to worry about football as much. Um, I think he found or had conflictions with himself and found and tapped into the black part of himself for the first time in his life. You got to understand, this is the same guy who went to, like I said, went to Nevada, white family, mostly white family, uh, hair cut, smooth, clean cut dude, always that. Not saying black isn't clean cut, but that's who he was. He gets, the, and the order of events, this is important that everybody knows the order of events. The order of events was he got benched. They put Blaine Gabbard in. Blaine Gabbard was terrible. They tell Kaepernick, you will be starting for the rest of the season, but we're going in a totally different direction than you. We will shop around, see what teams want you, and we'll go from there. Not a lot of He didn't get a lot of feedback on what teams, teams wanted him, but he knew he was going to get cut at the end of the season. It's about eight games left. Uh, he Now, although this has happened, he has been protesting the whole time. He had been he had been kneeling the whole year, and that that's what happened. So then after that, uh, the media catch wins of it. The media catch wins. Now this guy had been already doing it, so he didn't post anything on Instagram. It's not like he had uh, a movement, said anything, started anything, or brought attention to it. He was just doing it, which is understandable. Then the media catches win. They blow it up. Now Trump says. Uh, I would fire those SOBs if they do that to me. Now it's like, whoa, now the nation is paying attention. Now everybody's looking. Now it's like, okay, you know what I mean? What's going on? Let's let's stop this. So boom, uh, the the end of the year comes, he gets cut. Obviously doesn't get picked up uh, by anybody else. And everybody's screaming, the NFL is racist, the NFL is racist. I think... You have to understand football culture to really understand the truth of what's going here. Are there racist people in the NFL? Yes. Are there racist people, owners? Probably. I'm not going to say for sure. I'm not going to call Robert Kraft racist or Jerry Jones, anybody like that. I just think, uh, yeah, there are some people racist, shorthand. Uh, are Is the whole NFL racist and despising against black people? Um, no, I don't think that is what it is. Are they trying to shut somebody's rights up? No, um, that isn't what's going on. You have to understand football culture to know what's going on. So everybody who, who I don't want to say hasn't played football or been in the locker room, but that's kind of what it is. It's like the NFL is taking away his rights. Um, I, that's just not the case. The case with this is he's not on the field because of his talent. We know he's better than Matt Shaw. I know for a fact he's better than, uh, or he can, he might not be better than Case Keenum, actually. But he could play on that level. You know what I mean? So he's there. there's a spot for him in the league. He's in not in the NFL because he is a bigger distraction than 32 teams. He is a bigger topic than all 32 teams. Is why he's not on the NFL team. I think um, when I say that, I mean because at the start, and I've said this in my last podcast, at the start of... Every season, a coach usually gives the speech along the lines of all distractions in here. Nobody's bigger than the team. We don't want to answer questions about will I uh, let my player kneel? How do I feel about social justice? How do I feel about rights in America, police brutality? No coach who went to school to play football 
and got a PE degree and then started coaching wants to talk about civil rights issues. That's key to to this, this that's key to this that football culture isn't political. Football culture is come in, grind, play and that's it. So that's what I want people to understand from that standpoint. The biggest thing keeping Colin Kaepernick off the field is that he will be a distraction. Do you think college coaches, like I said, who got a PE degree, want to answer questions about uh, social justice issues? No, they want to answer questions about X's and O's. They want to answer questions about uh, why um, my run game isn't. They don't. I'm telling you, when you ask, when you go to the podium and they ask, they got tired of that. The coach for San Francisco even uh, said it like, "Hey, I don't want to answer questions like this. I strictly football." He is a distraction. If he gets on any team, they're going to be distracted from one ultimate goal. Not only are they going to be distracted, you bring politics into the locker room, which usually does not happen. In a locker room, everybody is equal because everybody grinds the same. Everybody's going through the same thing. Regardless of your views outside the locker room, you don't bring them into the locker room. You don't bring your political views into the locker room and try to split the locker room because you know it's a guy from uh, Wisconsin or Alabama, Mississippi, and he's a big white boy lineman who he's he has Confederate flag on his pickup truck. I don't want to get into a, pub, uh, a political conversation with him. I just want to talk about football, and we can be brothers in football. When we leave, I don't have to go to your Thanksgiving. I don't have to... But the the true culture of football is not bringing political stuff into the locker room. So I haven't even touched on the. I'm not. I'm just leaving leading you up into uh, what I, my main statement, which is Colin Kaepernick can't want things he says. Okay. So I'm just giving you order of events and and why. So that now, boom, he's not on the team because of he's a distraction. He knows this. He knows that they aren't trying to silence his rights. Because Eric Reed, who's on the same thing as him, still has a job and is still kneeling. Kenny Stills, who has a job uh, by the NFL collecting a check, still kneeling. This isn't about this is this isn't about this isn't about your rights because everybody in the NFL. And to my point earlier, there are people who went through more black experience than Colin Kaepernick that feel and want change and are creating change in their communities bringing light to situations that are still doing that. There was a way to do that without bringing a distraction to your team, okay? Because I always tell people, it's, can you go to your job and protest and, and still keep your job? Like, Because everybody thinks the NFL is, at the end of the day, it is a job. It's a work environment. Yeah, it's something that they love, but it is a job. Can you go to your job? Whoever's listening to this, can you go to your job if you work at a bank, if you are uh, a lawyer, lawyer might be a little different because that's what y'all, but a doctor, can I be a doctor, can I be a teacher and go in and protest and still expect to keep my job? Um, answer that and then look at the Colin Kaepernick situation. So I, most of the time it's no, you cannot do that. You cannot come in a work environment and do that. But when you go home on your own platform, can you do whatever you want? Yes, as long as it doesn't break rules. And Colin could have done that. He could have said, okay, I see where this is going. I'm going to keep football, football. But on my Instagram and on my Twitter and when I go home and post videos, I can say and do whatever I want. He didn't choose that. He chose 
his route, and that's who, and he's where he's at now. So, boom, you you now you're getting the backstory of everything. Uh, now he goes three years without a workout. Nobody in the world is. Everybody knows he's not in the league because of his talent. Okay, but everybody's saying it's because the league's racist. They want to shut him up. If they wanted to shut him up, I think they have enough money to shut him up and not give him media access to ESPN. They've been talking about him ever since. They these guys are powerful. They have not shut him up. They just kept him out the NFL. Why? Because he is a distraction. Like I said, not because he's talking about social justice issues. There's guys in the league still doing that. Okay. So boom. Now we talk about what is Colin Kaepernick's goal. So Colin Kaepernick says, "I want to join the NFL again." But I want to talk about social justice issues, and I, I want to do it on my terms, okay? Also, while saying the NFL colluded against me, and I want to sue the NFL. So you want to sue the NFL while getting back in the NFL, while saying the NFL is racist. You see how those three goals cannot exist in the same brain. They just simply cannot. Like, if you really look at it, you cannot want to sue the NFL, join the NFL, while screaming the NFL is racist, and expect to get the goal that you want. That just is very contradicting. Okay? So now we're looking at the, the, the we're three years later. We know he's not in because of talent, distraction. The teams, like he said, and he even came out and said it, the teams aren't being racist. They're just scared to deal with it. Also, they don't want to change, their, they don't want to mess up their bottom line, which is money. If I get somebody who's pro-black, what do you think will happen to all my racist money? They will leave. They will stop watching. I don't. They don't want to risk that. I'd rather just not have him on my team and just, you know what I mean, and just keep going forward with winning, focusing on football. So that's what's going on. So boom. And, it's, and he took the settlement. He took the settlement. I think that was telling... In that he could have not took the settlement and kept pursuing the the suing goal. He could have kept pushing that narrative. But I think he took it. Uh, Eric Reed took it and went back to the NFL and playing. Now he's collecting a check. And he has the nerve to call Stephen A. Smith a sellout. He does. But he's collecting a check. Wow. You see what I'm saying? Okay. So, boom. Now we're here. Uh, at the workout, Jay Z joins the NFL, and it is said that Jay Z has a lot to do with setting up this uh, workout that you have not been granted. So, boom, they let you know uh, a day before, I think, or two days before, something like that. But you had kind of been knowing this was going on, but it felt a little rushed to the media before they even told him they approved it. They put it out in the media and then called him. So, boom, you got a workout in Atlanta. At the Atlanta Falcons uh, place. They grant you this workout. If you say you want to join the NFL. You say you want to join the NFL. That's that's what your goal is. That was what his goal was. He has been working this whole time. Because he wants to go back to the NFL. Finally. They, uh, they grant you an opportunity. Now. I see both sides of this. I see how Colin Kaepernick can kind of get mad because this is childish we all know i have the arm talent and it was never like i told you it's not about the arm talent that's why that's why it's like y'all are, are focused on the wrong thing like he has a talent why y'all that y'all do, do, do 
no, they're not saying, hey, shut up, black boy. They're just saying, I don't want to deal with this. I don't want to touch this with a 10-foot pole. I don't want to be asked questions about social justice. I And then have to go home to my white family and white Thanksgiving and talk about races. I, I don't want to do that. I don't want to, you know what I mean? It's not like, hey, black boy, shut up. It's just like, mm-mm, ain't going over there. You know how you're in a barbershop or, or you're at school or somewhere at work and you hear a conversation and you're like, nope, ain't going to trick me today. I ain't going to be a part of that. That's a setup. That is more so how the owners are looking at Colin Kaepernick. So, boom, you get all, you get some GMs or some future GMs, some guys in line to be owners, some guys. Obviously, 24 teams out of 32. 24 teams out of 32 show up at the Falcons facility to see you practice. And obviously, if the guys who were sent, because, and this is key to knowing everything, there were 24 teams at the Falcons facility. Not only were there 24 teams at the Falcons facility, the Falcons granted you a video photographer of their of your choice. That they, you know, what I'm saying one of theirs that you can a video editing that they said. And this is, I'm telling you what y'all hearing in the league or what y'all hearing that he said. None of that is true. Uh, they said you can get a video, we can give it to you and edit it. Nike can film a commercial here if they want to, which means they have film that they can edit on their shelves. They can, you can make a commercial here. You got that. I'm giving you NFL receivers, not Calvin Ridley and Julio, but the the Falcons gave you NFL ready receivers. And part and and this is key. The 24 people there were the one voice in each organization that wanted you. Nobody, no owner, I'm telling you, the owner didn't step down and say, hey, send send somebody over there. Nah, somebody stepped up and said, hey, let's just, I, I think we should sign Cap. Let me go see what he looks like, and we're going to go from there. All right, you sure you want to do this? Yeah, I'm an advocate of Cap. You had some black guys that were high up in the executive office in certain teams. You had Kaepernick NFL supporters coming that i'm talking about the whole atlanta the whole atlanta you had a a showing outside you had a uh you had people that were with you outside and you had people that were with you inside jay-z sets this meeting up for you and you change the workout i think it was 30 minutes or an hour before you tell them nah i'm not gonna do it at the falcons first of all that's a spit in my that that's a spit in the falcons face i want you to know that that's a spit in the Falcons organization face. Cause not only did they were they had a game in Carolina to prepare for. Do you know the whole team stayed? They stayed for the workout, the whole coaches, everybody, Arthur Blank, everybody. If you go if you follow D. Orlando Ledbetter, who works with AJC, he has a video of when Colin Kaepernick drops and says, Hey, uh, I'm changing the workout. The whole Atlanta packs up. They they get on the bus to go to the plane to go to Carolina. But you had head coach, you had Matt Ryan, Julio, you had all these guys who probably could have voiced their opinion on you and ready to see their work, and you spit in their face. You spit in the Atlanta Falcons organization face, and you spit in the 24 teams uh, face that were there to support you. Now, my guess is that this Charles Drew thing was not just randomly set up because they had shirts that his, his team was together. I think they been knew what they were going to do. And they just did that to spit in the NFL's face. He brought his own guys in. He didn't fly his own guys in an hour in, and they just got in. Nah, he flew them in like two days in. Like, and they say he flew them in on his own dime. 
So he had been playing this and did not let the NFL know. So this was more of a spit in the NFL's face. So boom, that tells me, okay, you're doing the wrong steps of trying to get back in the NFL, which is what Stephen A was saying is just saying your goals just don't really sound together because you can't be with the black people who say the NFL is racist and rile them up all while trying to get back in the NFL. All while saying the NFL, you know what I'm saying? It just kind of doesn't go together. You're pulling yourself from different ends. Um, yeah, so you do that, spit in their face. And my guess is the eight teams that showed up were eight guys who had already been kind of communicating with the camp. So for for them, I, I feel as though those eight teams were guys that he kind of said, hey, I might not be showing up. So it was speculation right before they leave a little early to go to Charles Drew. Eight teams make it. You had 24 at Flowery Branch in the Falcons facility, but you choose to go to high school. That's cool. You choose to get your own receivers who are not working in the league. I, that's cool. You do what you do. Then you come in a Kuta Kente shirt. Now, this is where I'm questioning how black are you? You can't be blacker than me. I grew up in Atlanta. You can't. You, I, I, I refuse to believe that other states hit civil rights and uh, and social justice issues harder than the South because the history is in the South. You see what I'm saying? So this is why I'm thinking somewhere in that period where he got benched, he he tapped into his black side, and now he's just like trying to be extra black. You know what I mean? I don't I don't think he really wants to create change. And now here's where I'm getting now now it's like, okay, boom, I know I've kind of been overplaced now, but here's my knock against him. One, we live in a uh I, the word is capitalist or capitalism society. That's our how we run our uh, nation, our government, which basically means um, you got to step over people to make money. The working class, you take their money, you make them work, while the upper class basically makes and receives all the money. That's how our world works. You know that. At the same time, you have to... the upper level has to put down and keep the lower level lower which is where you get racism um as i grew as i grow up i understand that yeah a lot of people are prejudiced but the racism part um is more so classism like the haves and have nots i want to have and i'm gonna keep the people poor um and we just as black people have not caught on to the game of america yet and played it smart we every move that we make as a group, not saying the individual families that have changed their lives. As a group, we have not yet started to play the white man's game. So you will lose 100% of the time when you don't play the game in 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 the rules that they're playing. Because they play games and they show it to our face. It just happens right in front of our face, but we are worried about other things. In this society, the best way to beat racism is to attach yourself to some money or power, which power and money sometimes go hand in hand. You cannot be poor or with the minority and create change. So where where are you going where are you going with this, Dalen? To be racism in our country, you have to attach yourself to some form of money. Money is what makes decisions. Um, money is what drives decisions. 
It's what backs them. It's what starts them. Um, you got to attach yourself to some, some type of money. So now, now that gets me thinking in the Colin Kaepernick situation. The best way to create change wasn't to turn your back on the league because I feel as though he did. Because he could have easily just said, hey, I'm going to stop kneeling, but I'm going to keep talking. I'm going to stop kneeling because this brings a distraction to my team, but I'm going to keep talking. All the while, I will talk to my owner and put the pressure on him to back the money and to create change. A lot of people, because a lot of people say the NFL is racist, whatever, whatever, whatever. But for years and years before Colin Kaepernick got there, the NFL has a thing called My Cleats, My Calls, where for a month, you get to choose a, a, a program or a non-profit a charity event, whatever, you know what I'm saying, and put money towards it, sell the cleats, whatever it is. How many guys do you think from the hood aren't doing police brutality and aren't doing inner city? You know what I'm saying? How many How many guys? They are. The owners aren't saying, no, shut up, black boy. Don't do nothing for your community. No, they're not. If you're not a distraction and you do it on your platform during the week when you have in your contract that you got to do a certain amount of uh, public service, then why Why didn't he take that route that was easier because he had money? Why, why didn't he do the my cleats, my calls? And bring money to the awareness. You know why? Why now? Now, now I'm looking at his actions. Now I'm like, why haven't you attached yourself to a strong politician who can help you change legislation? You already have a following. You would get money. Why? Why haven't you tried to in, do change instead of just a conversation? Why? Now I'm like, okay. So what's your goal? Do you want? What is your goal? Because none of the goals that you have as far as creating change, being in the NFL, suing in the NFL, are, 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 you're not working towards any of them. You're saying one thing, but your actions are showing, I'm cool with just being the guy that gives you a little sound snippet and wears a Kuta Kente shirt. I'm cool with starting a movement, but not doing no actions to back it. I want to go to the NFL, but I'm cool with saying F the NFL and, and y'all giving me a favor and I'm changing it. You know what I mean? I'm cool with y'all throwing me a bone, but I don't care about those 24 teams. Do my own thing, but I want to go to the NFL. Also, the NFL is racist. The NFL is racist, but I want to work for you. I want a job there. I want to, I want your money. You see what I'm saying? It, it just Each goal comes with a contradictory action that just confuses me about Colin Kaepernick. You know what I mean? And then you start looking at other factors. Why hasn't anybody in the league from a major status joined him? Why hasn't a Russell Wilson came out and, and spoke up? Why hasn't a Richard Sherman, you know what I mean, really spoke up to and really came out and not just said a snippet about, hey, yeah, he's pretty good, he's talented, he can be in the league. Why haven't they 100% backed him? Why hasn't the Michael Jenkins 100% backed him? Why hasn't... You're talking about guys that are in the NFL that know him a little bit personally. Why haven't they backed him yet? I think they have a little bit more insight than us. And they know a little bit more than us. And they know... uh, I ain't with Cap because... One, he's a distraction. Two, there's other ways he can go about doing this. And three, I, I don't think he really wants this. This isn't, this isn't Cap. This, Cap wasn't my brother. You know what I'm saying? He wasn't that when he was in San Francisco. Cap wasn't, you had a white girlfriend. Like, you, you see what I'm saying? That's why I'm like, where are you taking my people? You got, you, you got a following. Where are you taking them?
I don't see an end result for Cap that that creates change, especially with what he's doing right now. I just don't see it. I just seeing this being an emotional uh, emotional uh, what do you call it swing that uh, a thing or a fling real quick that people are gonna follow him, and then slowly but surely people will just be like, okay, um, what do we do? What are we doing here? We haven't done a march. We haven't met up and protested and. In Washington D.C., we haven't, you know, what I'm saying, organized a meeting to talk about it. You haven't organized uh, black leaders. You ha- you, you, you haven't done anything, and you got a following. You got a strong following. So now it's like, what? Now I'm like, what are you doing? You know, what I'm saying, what? What's your goal here? I'm just really not seeing it. And you can call me a coon or whatever, but I just don't see it. And for y'all to jump on. Stephen A. Smith, because he's bringing all of this to light, you don't do that. There was a way that you show up at that that uh, that tryout and greet everybody, show everybody, hey, I can play football and I can focus on football. And then, boom, the workout ends. You go outside the fence with your protesters, with your, your Kappa brothers. That, that was a great organization to attach yourself to and bring change, but he has yet to, to tap into that either, his fraternity. And say, hey, I'm giving a statement. And not a statement that says, hey, F the NFL, F the owners, like he kind of did at uh, Charles Drew. Just say, hey, I was ready for the opportunity. I thank y'all. I hope we can all come together and find a solution here and create change and football. He didn't do that. You see what I'm saying? So it's like, I don't know, man. Uh, so uh, please give me your feedback. Um, obviously, we'll talk about this way more uh or we'll we'll get into it uh, in depth. I'm I'm curious to see where he leads this, where he takes this, whether he'll keep speaking past this point, or will he let other people speak for him? Um, yeah, I just think that's just a lot of weird stuff going on, and I just want my people to think more mentally than emotionally. Yeah, he's stirring up emotions because it's true, and and I don't want to hear anybody respond to this and say, well, he's having the conversation that needs to be had. Because that conversation has been going on for years, and I'm tired of a conversation. I'm having a conversation now. I think those dead bodies on the news bring awareness enough. I think the names and the situations bring awareness enough. Do not, and I repeat, do not call Kaepernick the savior or, or the what we need. Because I think there was other routes that he could have took. And that inflict way more change than what he's doing now because of the following he had. So don't don't be quick to put him on a pedestal and just see, is this a publicity stunt? Or is this a half white, half black man finding himself and indulging deep? Because I ain't seen, and y'all correct me if I'm wrong, the blackest of the blackest people, I ain't seen them wear a Kuta Kente shirt. That was very telling. That was very telling of what he thinks this is. Like, that was just very telling. You know what I mean? A Kuta Kente shirt. Now you're just ODing it. You know what I mean? Overdoing it. So it's just like, okay. But, uh, yeah. So, uh, like I said, give me feedback. Um, share my podcast. If you haven't listened to the one before, who that, uh, go back and listen to that. That's a, it's about football a little bit more, uh, a little bit funnier little bit on why we're losing uh share my podcast out i'm not done with this conversation this is just my thoughts so far uh 
I kept some thoughts in just because I know how they'll be uh, received, and I didn't I didn't want people to think, oh, he's you know what I mean. But uh, so yeah, uh, like I said, there will be another event that will happen um, whether he gets on the team or not. I highly doubt it. I think uh, if a team gets him, um, it will just be the because they need the publicity. Like they're sorry, uh, so it'd be a sorry team. I don't think, or it'd be a team organization that can handle that, uh, like uh, Oakland Raiders or uh, the Steelers. I, I think are like some organizations that can handle uh, the distractions because they've had uh, distractions before. You know what I mean? Uh, I don't think an organization like um, Miami or Atlanta or Houston or somebody like I don't think somebody like that could handle this. Um, like I said, so, uh, yeah, um, thanks for listening. I appreciate everybody. I hope you listen to my words and, and really understand what I'm saying. And I hope I don't offend anybody. Uh, I truly do. Thank you.